Battel for Kids is proud to present the EdSpark podcast with Dr. Karen Garza. Battel for Kids is a national not-for-profit organization with the mission of realizing the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. Well, good morning, Mike. Good to see you. I so appreciate your willingness to have this conversation with me today. I always enjoy visiting with you about this work because it's such a a passion of yours and it always comes across as so evident. But as we, before we start our conversation, if you wouldn't mind just, you know, letting your, uh, you know, our uh, listeners learn a little bit more about where you're located and kind of your tenure there in the district, just a little bit about Mayfield schools. Sure. Uh, absolutely. First off, I'd like to just uh, comment on how excited I am to um, be talking with you. I always enjoy uh, my uh, SOAR Ed Leader 21 Battelle for Kids family um, because it's, um, it's uh, we're all trying to do the same work. And so um, that's always uh, warms my heart in addition to just the relationships uh, that go beyond uh, teaching and learning, et cetera. So thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'm the proud superintendent of the Mayfield City Schools. Uh, Mayfield is a suburb of Cleveland, uh, Southeast suburb of Cleveland. Um, we have about 4,100 students. Uh, interestingly, uh, we've had the same amount of students since 1980, literally. Uh, we haven't gone up, we haven't gone down. A redistribution of students, uh, yes, but the number has remained the same. We're, we're made up of four communities, all different, uh, very supportive of their schools. Um, I've been here, um, this is my second year as superintendent. Prior to this, uh, I had served as assistant superintendent for six years. Um, and then also I taught here, was athletic director, director of HR. So all in all, I've been, this is my 23rd year in Mayfield. And um, it's the, the, the wonderful thing about that tenure is the parents uh, of, a stu- of our students now were former students of mine and, and, and players that I've coached. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see the familiar names uh, when I walk through uh, schools today. Um, but yeah, great district, fantastic board. Um, we are in a good place. I feel re- really, really blessed to serve this community. Well, and one more thing that's unique about you, Mike, is uh, you have deep roots in that community. And but you actually, uh, we we were had the pleasure of watching you also implement this kind of visionary work in another district as a superintendent in in Lakewood. Um, so it's been it's been fun to watch you make such an impact on that district and they're continuing the work and flying, you know, soaring into it. Um, but, and then you come back and you've led it back in your, in your district. So it's, it's a very unique situation, but we've had you had the opportunity to watch you in two different districts. And that's a lot of fun. Yes. But my first question for you is, and, and certainly from Mayfield perspective and also Lakewood, you've prioritized the portrait of graduate work as a systems leader and I just wanted you to talk a little bit about why that's been a why it's been a priority for your leadership, this work that you've been in so deeply in, engaged in for for a number of years. Well, I think first and foremost, I think um, it really resonates with me this work, um, as you've heard me say many times, um, and I'll be very brief. Um, I was introduced to a concept around 2011, 12 as I was participating in a national security seminar in the Army War College. Uh, And the concept is VUCA, Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous. And it was the Army and the military was talking about the world that is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, and how the military needed to 
adjust and adapt to be responsive uh, in times of need to a world that was totally different from the old Cold, world's war, Cold war um, stages. And I begin to think, how, how, how did this impact education? If our students are going to be inheriting a VUCA world, are we truly preparing them? And then I, the answer to that, I answered my own question was no, but I didn't know what to do with that information until um, I was blessed to attend an Ed Leader conference in 2016, and it totally changed um, who I am as an educator and what I believe in. And still to this day, I just believe that this work around the portrait is absolutely necessary as our students learn to navigate in a complex and ever-changing world. The other beauty of the work is that it is a rallying point for communities. I think uh, the opportunity for a shared vision to be built um, serves as an anchor uh, for school communities. As you mentioned, I've, I've been able to witness this work in two different communities, which is a, a testament of the importance of it and uh, equipping students with skills and mindsets beyond just content. Uh, so that they can successfully navigate in a world that's changing every day. And we can't even predict what tomorrow, let alone five years, uh, will, will, will bring forth. But our students will be prepared for whatever because we're giving them a diverse set of skills and mindsets uh, so that they can successfully navigate. The, um, so you, you referred to kind of this vision that's collectively identified and kind of shaped by the broader community and your portrait of a graduate. So talk a little bit about your portrait in Mayfield and why you think that's such a critical visioning exercise and really the North Star for your for your district. Sure. Well, well the disruption of COVID, as I was transitioning back to Mayfield, um, early on when I was doing my assessment as a part of my 100-day transition, I began to ask our staff, other stakeholders about a portrait because I was a part of the work before I left back in 2018, 16 to 18, uh, and it really had uh, gone a little dormant uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, people were just holding on, trying to keep do the doors open and take care of kids. Um, but when we re-engaged uh, with our stakeholders around the, the portrait, I would say the old portrait because it's evolved uh, in just a year and a half since I've been back, uh, we asked a question, is this still relevant? Does this still resonate with you? And um, the the consensus was, uh, yes, some of it, but uh, it was uh, strongly urged and encouraged that it evolve. Uh, and it has to include personalization, scholarship, and curiosity. In fact, when we were meeting with our teacher group, our instructional leadership team of about 45 teachers in our district, pre-K to 12, one of our teachers stood up with great passion and enthusiasm, enthusiasm and said, I'm so glad that we're revisiting this because the world has changed in the last two years because of the pandemic. And to not do so would have been malpractice on our part. And I quoted, I quote him, uh, he's a fantastic educator, but that really resonated uh, with me. So in addition to the four C's, our portrait has evolved uh, to include personalization, scholarship, uh, and and curiosity beyond just competencies, our portrait is is has evolved to be uh, also what we value, uh, and also uh, what we believe. In addition to mindsets and skills, it's really driven the work now. Uh, what has blossomed uh, from our portrait work uh, and our belief in it as an anchor and a north star here in Mayfield 
is we've developed a, a philosophy of learning around personalization. And that philosophy has now impacted uh, the way we instruct, the way we design, the way we uh, organize our learning spaces, the way we uh, offer and, and, and create courses, uh, our school day and its structure, as well as pathways. So as you can see, born from our portrait is really an institutional alignment and transformation uh, that has got people absolutely on fire here in Mayfield. Well, we're going to talk more about that because that's that uh, I had the great pleasure of visiting and uh, walking through the schools and talking with students and talking with teachers uh, about the work that that you've led and and it's you know your entire community is engaged in there. It's really something to behold. It really is. But I want to first ask you. You know, you talked about personalization, scholarship, curiosity, and the other competencies that you have in your portrait. You know, if, if I were a parent today, and certainly for my grandchildren, yeah, that's what I would want for my children, right? My grandchildren. But what do parents in your community say about this work? What What do you hear from parents? And then I want you to talk about your board a little bit too. Sure. Um, well, in September of 2022, uh, we uh, conducted uh, with a researcher a community satisfaction survey, and uh, he quoted that uh, was some of the best survey data that they had received in terms of support of the schools. When we ask our parents uh, what kind of educational experiences they want for their children, uh, inevitably test scores do not come up. Uh, what they want is their students to be well-rounded, to be able to effectively communicate both written and spoken, and to be able to vet information for accuracy in this on-demand uh, world that they live in. Uh, they also want their students to be able to, you know, collaborate and work through problems in a civil manner. So um, seeing this as a as a um, a crucial element of the educational experience uh, for their children, uh, our parents uh, really, really believe in this work. What we had to also do is to make sure that we were concise in our in the way in which we explained the importance of this work this visionary work, that we are equipping students uh, with a, a toolkit, if you will, by which they can access whenever, whenever necessary in order to wrestle with content. So we're not excusing the content. We're not dismissing the content. What we're doing is giving students skills and mindsets and abilities to successfully work through the content for deeper understanding. And um, this has been very, very uh, well received uh, by our community. I, th I think we are doing a really good job of communicating clearly uh, why this is important. Um, and, you know, we don't just talk about it. This is the work that we do. And uh, it's posted everywhere. Uh, with respect to our Board of Education, um, they, too, uh, believe in this work as well. Uh, we have two of our board members that have been on the board for 24 years. Um, the other three uh, have uh, served uh, two consecutive terms as well. Um, and they are just as bought in as, as our other stakeholder groups. The Patel for Kids Spring Superintendent Summit is a unique opportunity to recharge, learn, and connect with education leaders nationwide. Attention superintendents, are you passionate about driving transformation in your school system? The summit is a great opportunity for you to engage with and learn from other innovative and transformative leaders from across the country. 
This intimate experience is a unique opportunity to learn and network with others and to invest in yourself. This year's summit will be held in Columbus, Ohio on March 8th and 9th. Learn more about the summit and get registered at bfk.org summit. That's bfk.org summit. It's really wonderful to hear. And I, I um, you know, when I had the opportunity to visit with a lot of your students, I mean, if my, if those were my children, I'd be so impressed and thrilled uh, because the agency that they demonstrated was just really impressive. So I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, before we get into the, some of the big, big moves that you made, um, you know, how did this kind of start evolving in your district? I mean, did you have to spend a lot of time building capacity? I mean, kind of what do you think, because um, you've made some just incredible changes in your district. I mean, it's fundamentally changed everything that's going on in your district, in my view. So how did you set the stage for that um, to, great, to emerge? Great question. We, we started with the portrait and we began asking our staff and our, and our, and our other stakeholders, um, if we're going to realize this for our students, this, 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 this portrait, by the way, which um, brings mere words on paper as a part of a vision to life. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how about, how do we go about making this reality? And we first started with the student experience and coming together uh, on a, on a philosophy of learning that we can all agree upon. And our mission is every student every day. And so that's a part of the fabric here. Uh, it's in the DNA of every Mayfield person, uh, regardless of which of the four communities you reside. And when we asked ourselves, how do we live up to our mission uh, through our portrait? Uh, we started uh, with coming up with a philosophy that we could all uh, agree upon, and that's personalization. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to personalize a, the experience for each and every student every day, then how do we change our structures? How do we change our lesson design and the way we instruct? And how do we change the way that in which we offer uh, courses and pathways pre-K to 12 for all of our students? Uh, the, the other thing is, and how do we transform our learning spaces uh, to complement uh, the, the work that we're trying to, to accomplish? On our community satisfaction survey, we asked, Uh, how many people were aware that we were considering some construction renovations in several of our buildings? 80% of the respondents said they weren't aware that we were considering it. But when asked if they would support it, they said 79% said yes. So when we reflected on that and we've talked to our parent, uh, superintendent parent advisory group, we go, well, well, why, why the overwhelming support? And they said, because we can see the connection between what the district is doing, even with the physical plant, in their efforts to try to realize the portrait for every single student. So I thought that that was just a tremendous compliment to the work that we're doing here and the confidence that our community has in this work as well. So let's let's get into some of the you know big moves that have occurred in your district. And I know that you know I saw it system wide. So you may want to start, you know, at the elementary or high school, wherever you want to start. But I'd really like to have you describe, which, you know, I I have the great fortune of having 
you know, you heard me say this before, Mike, I've gone to a lot of school visits, even in other countries. I've had the great, great privilege of visiting schools and seeing great work underway. And I've never seen anything as powerful as what I observed in your school district. But I'm finding sometimes I have a hard time describing that what I saw with my own eyes, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't just show. I mean, it, it was in action and kids were living it and talking about it and, and the way that teachers talked about it. So describe for our listeners kind of the big moves and the big changes that have occurred. And then we'll talk about its impact here in just a little bit. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that um, we observed um, is over a six year span, when we were looking at career technical education, we noticed that achievement gaps were totally eradicated. And so we put a study team together internally to ask the question, what was going on in career tech education that would enable these kinds of uh, results, if you will? And what we, uh, we came to consensus that in career technical education, students had high agency and high engagement. And if you have high agency and high engagement, we knew that that would impact achievement because we had six years of data that was telling us so. So we begin to ask ourselves the question, how do we replicate that in the general education experience for our students? And we knew that our, our, our philosophy was anchored in personalization. Mm-hmm. So we created a framework around personalization that, that includes agency, engagement, opportunities, and outcomes, because we want to make sure that we know if we're going to make changes that is moving the needle for students. So in doing so, we've taken it to heart to create agency for our students, to give them voice and choice over their own learning. Not only do they appreciate it, but they expect to be at the table and have an opportunity to advocate for themselves. In addition to that, we studied some information from graduates that indicated that they wish they had more ownership of their learning, especially those who had transitioned into higher ed where they had more time on their hands. So we put a team of teachers together and administrators, and we began to study what can we do differently at Mayfield High School that would uh, demonstrate agency and engagement because we knew that it would lead to uh, higher achievement. So we begin to look at the structure by which we allow our students to engage in the work and also the time. See, we can control the time. 7.30 to 3, we can, we can turn a structure that meet in a, in a manner that meets our expectations and our desires. And if we were chasing agency, how do we do that? Incredibly enough, we created what we call three learning modalities at Mayfield High School. Again, with the emphasis on giving students agency and control over their own learning. When students reflect on how they learn best, they can then, with their parents and their guidance counselor, choose one of three learning modalities. Learning modality number one, they can choose a traditional eight-period day where every 50 minutes they move from one class to the next. What does that do for students? Those students that need more structure, that like routine, and they know that about themselves as a way in which they learn best, they can choose the traditional modality. When I reflect on my own children, my youngest daughter needs structure. My oldest daughter needs less structure and and, and enjoys more agency. She thrives uh, with that kind of configuration. 
So modality number one is a traditional eight-period day. Modality number two is a self-paced experience, which is a combination of traditional and some self-paced classes. A student, for example, may choose to take math self-paced. They attend math class Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. On Tuesday and Thursdays during that period, they can go to one of our supervised learning spaces in the high school and work on anything that they want, including that math uh, course. The other unintended, the unintended benefit of this is that we discovered that this also allowed for very successful intervention. Because in the traditional eight period course, if the kid is free fifth period, but the math teacher is teaching, the kid has to wait for after school to have access or before school. And we know how complicated everyone's life and schedules are these days. So the unintended benefit of, of the learning modality number two self-paced is kids can access the teacher for one-on-one -on -one instruction, small group instruction to get clarification over a concept. Learning modality number three is the fully customized learning plan where a kid goes to a large supervised uh, area where they have four content teachers, math, social studies, science, and English, in addition to an intervention specialist and a capstone teacher. And they take the curriculum and set daily goals and plans uh, for themselves so long as they are maintaining at least a 70% uh, in that particular discipline. Uh, it is incredibly uh, popular. Um, and we sought volunteer teachers who wanted to jump into this. These early adopters, they jumped in right away. And it has really, really uh, created a unique uh, configuration at our high school. So much so that it, it we begin to push it down to our elementary uh, school as well as the middle school because our parents and our families want the kind of agency uh, that we are providing for our students at the high school. So it's really been transformational. I mean, your students, they... They were, it was impressive. I, I, I visited with a group of four high school students in your options um, area. Um, and all four of them were working on a different, um, uh, a different course. But the students just talked and one student said, I said, hey, what, do you, what do you all think about this? And one student said, I love it. And the other said, we do too. I love it. And I said, why? Why do you love it? And he said, well, I, I because it treats me like I, I have a say over my, my day and I can control my schedule and I can control my responsibilities. And then he said, and I feel like this is going to prepare me really well for college because I'm going to have, I'm going to have a lot of freedom and a lot of responsibility to take care of my, you know, to take care of my own learning in college. And I think this uh, help, helps prepare me for that. So I, I thought the, the kids' reactions to it were just incredible. I, I agree. Uh, the feedback is really, really good. Uh, we're seeing increases in, in, in student achievement. Um, and the other thing that it's, it's, it's really helped with the option, which is modality three, is we used to have, in, in, in many instances, uh, students that had conflicts in their schedule and they couldn't participate in band or they couldn't take this AP course. That is no longer the case when you're in the option. You can come out of the option, enter in a, a specialized course or program that you're interested in, and then go back to the option uh, to work on your daily plans as well. And it's created the flexibility for students not to be limited, uh, meaning access to courses 
by their by the by their school day. And uh, so students really, really like the flexibility of having access to the broader curriculum um, versus being limited. Yeah, I had a student. uh, And by the way, the entire group that we took to visit your school district, everyone walked away and said, wow, these kids are empowered and self-reflective. They really knew themselves, their strengths and their areas they have to really work on as learners. That That's not always evidence when you're visiting with high school kids, but these kids knew. I have one student who described just exactly what you did. He said, you know, I'm in the self-paced because I, I feel like I can really run with these other courses, but there's one course that I felt was not my strongest area. So I'm coming out of the options and I'm going back to the because it's my choice. I'm going back to uh, the regular class for whatever course that was he was talking about. And I thought, man, that's that's giving that's empowering kids to make decisions, you know, about their own learning. Uh, hey, so man, that, I, when I reflect on my own journey as a learner um, and, I, and I, I mean this with all honesty, I didn't think about how I thought mm-hmm. or reflect on how I learned to, to probably my junior year in college. And so what we are doing here, which I think is fantastic work, is as early as we can, we're we're challenging our students to reflect on how they think and how they learn. And why the reason why that's important is because it empowers them to take ownership over their own learning. As you mentioned, the example here, one student comes out maybe for math because they know they need that structure and that one on one contact daily with the teacher. That's because they reflected on what they need as a learner and the uh, the the schedule configuration is supportive of that and allows them uh, to choose uh, the, the way in which they, they learn best, you know, even a combination of, of the option and the traditional class of, of five days a week. So some people might, you know, listening to this that might think, wow, that seems a little chaotic. And how do you keep track of kids? And, um, I will tell you, I visited with one of your teachers in the option, a couple of them actually, but one of them particularly I want to talk about, uh, and they were all incredible. All of your teachers were just so amazing. Um, this one English teacher I visited with, I said, how do you keep tabs, you know, on where kids are and which kids need help? And she said, oh, it's easy, it's easy for me to do. In fact, she said, um, under the options, you mentioned earlier, it's easier to do kind of support for kids, you know, acceleration where kids need some little additional support. Uh, she talked about how she does these mini lessons every day and she tracks where kids are on their work and she'll identify uh you know, these five kids need a mini lesson in this. And so they're able to do that and respond to the unique needs of kids in, in ways that we've never been able to do under traditional traditional structure. So it seemed like your your team and the, the educators that were a part of this um, were also thriving in the environment. And the teachers also said, gosh, we love it. We just feel like we know our kids better. Um, we feel like we have more agency uh, also as educators. So I want, want you to just comment on your experience in observing your educators in this environment at the high school. I'm glad you mentioned that and thank you for bringing it up. We've seen and witnessed uh, increases in staff engagement as well. And because they have the same op- opportunities to you know, choose a, the traditional uh, way of teaching uh, if they so uh, like that or 
uh, be a part of the option. What drives uh, the number of sections uh, in, a, in the traditional uh, departments are the number of students that are choosing self-paced or self-option. And it's important to mention, we didn't add any more staff uh, to be able to do this. Um, and those who want a change, I've been doing this for 20 years every day. Now I can transition into the option and do something different. We see the engagement of the staff increase. Or I can self-pace and, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm working with small groups of kids or one-on-one uh, with, with students. Uh, and that is uh, incredibly uh, engaging for our staff as well. The feedback from our staff has been very, very, very good. Uh, and certainly they appreciate uh, the innovation um, that in the journey that the district is willing to uh, go on to meet the needs of kids um, and because the staff is right there with them, supporting them the whole time. Dr. Michael Barnes has been the superintendent for Mayfield City Schools near Cleveland, Ohio since 2021. He began his career in education as a social studies teacher and has served in other administrative roles, including athletic director, director of human resources, and assistant superintendent. You can learn more about Mayfield City Schools in this episode's show notes. Visit our YouTube channel, also linked in the show notes, to watch videos about the transformation happening at Mayfield and other schools around the nation. The Ed Spark Podcast with Dr. Karen Garza is a production of Battelle for Kids. Visit bfk.org to learn more about how we are helping to transform education systems nationwide. That's bfk.org.